Hello, everyone. Welcome back to How Come. This is a very special episode. I am so very excited. Charlotte's very pumped, too. We are sitting here with psychotherapist, sex therapist, and author Dr. Ian Kerner, heretofore mentioned as Ian because he said I can. Welcome, Ian. Hey there. How come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. Cause I can't do it by myself. I wanna just. We're so excited to have you here. Dr. Kerner, Ian, sorry, has written the very popular book, She Comes First, um, which is basically on how it's, it's the thinking man's guide to cunnilingus. But I first heard about it from a female comic who had recently started hooking up with girls. And she was like, I read this book. All people should read this book. And now I'm a master at cunnilingus. So I love that. Uh, It was written for men. It was written from both like some clinical experience as well as personal experience. But the book has now been around for... Since 2004. Yeah. So for like 15 years. So I actually lately have been getting emails from moms and dads who are giving the books to their kids mm-hmm. to like oh that's launch great. into the world with it's you like know? the new our bodies ourselves but it's like someone's body themselves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome actually charlotte and i went to an event the other night um and it was mostly women and it was about closing the gender pleasure gap uh-huh. and there were maybe five men in the audience like and there's like 30 women, right? Or yeah, maybe 40 women. Yeah. Wow. And at the end of the talk, the moderator was like, okay, it's the end. Like, does anybody else have a question? Any of the men? Any of the men. Yeah. And this old guy in the corner goes, I don't have a question. I have a comment. And all the women, we whipped our heads around. We were like, what's this fucker going to say? And he goes, everybody needs to read the book. She comes first. And then all the women <laughs> started going crazy. We're like, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So cool. Um, so, you wrote the book, but you also come from your own experience with dealing with, yeah, sexual... Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, um, I think, one of the reasons the book continues to resonate is because the first line in it or the first chapter header was Confessions of a Premature Ejaculator. Yeah. You know, I had really, um, I grew up, you know, pre-internet, uh, pre-a lot of sexual information, so... I didn't even really know that I necessarily had a problem until I was already sort of um, into trying to be sexual. Um, And around what age was that? um, I would say that was around 18. Yeah. Okay. So right around 18. I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, I uh, even had an issue and it took me a while to even figure out that my partners weren't always enjoying sex. So Mm. like today it's interesting because, you know, we live in an era where, you know, clearly there's Viagra and Levitra and Cialis and ads for hymns.com and all of this stuff. And we know now, I don't know if a lot of men know it, but premature ejaculation is actually the most common male sexual issue no way more common than ed ED. and it's actually not just like a young guy's issue it's men of all ages so hopefully today there's more information about it and more ways of treating it but back then i just felt a first completely confused Mm -hmm. in a fog and then um just debilitated yeah crippled like i couldn't go out on dates because dates might lead to sex mm-hmm. and sex was going to lead to this embarrassing moment. Yeah. And so I, I was really just desperate as mm-hmm. a younger guy and had retreated from 
intimacy and um, ended up going to see a sex therapist with a girlfriend and that started to get inspiring. And then what I really started to realize is maybe I just need to reframe how I'm approaching sex. Mm. And at that time, there wasn't the word outer course that I had in my mind. Why does everything have to be about a penis and a vagina? Mm. And like, why does everything have to come down to a penis? And then there wasn't a lot of great writing back then, but there were, for example, books by Alfred Kinsey, Cher Mm. Heights, some initial sex researchers. And I started hearing about this thing called the clitoris. Ah, Like, (laughs) I had never even heard of the clitoris. I mean, can you imagine? (laughs) We're going back to like 1980. I'm in my early 50s. So, like, Mm -hmm. back to like 1980. Three and eighty-four. It just wasn't in the vocabulary. Yeah. Like today, men have no excuse to not be cliterate. There's yes. no excuse for ill cliteracy. Yes. <laughs> but back then, there wasn't even a vocabulary. And I recently, this. like, people always talk to me about sexual cliteracy and ill cliteracy, and I learned that you coined that term. I coined the term. That's so That's cool. cool. <laughs> I have a, it makes well, me feel old, but yeah, no, I did coin amazing. the term. I have a friend, um, we both grew up in the city, so I feel uh-huh. like we grew up in therapy culture. Yes. Like, it's not so strange to go to a therapist, but one of my friend's moms to- coined the term psychobabble. Yeah. Very Pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I started reading about the clitoris and that actually plenty of guys who didn't suffer from premature ejaculation could last as long as they wanted mm-hmm. and their partners still wouldn't have orgasms sure. or have pleasure. Yeah. So I kind of, and then I started realizing, I started reading that the clitoris, the head of the clitoris, the glands, there's a distance between that and the vaginal entrance, so most sexual positions wouldn't even stimulate right, the clitoris at all. So far apart. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I really began to then like reframe and to say, okay, like what, rather than like putting everything around my penis and having to like have intercourse, why don't I just focus on clitoral stimulation? Yeah. And so that was like the big revelation. And yeah. And as much as she comes first is about oral sex and cunnilingus and I do believe that cunnilingus is a beautiful mutually mm-hmm. arousing sensual act and that for me to be able to liberate myself from my penis mm-hmm. and to be able to like use my hands and my mouth yeah. um, and my mind um, were all really powerful but really the first half of She Comes First and to me the most important part of She Comes First has nothing to do with oral sex really nope, it's the preparation and it's all about just developing that that cliterate way of thinking about the yeah, world yeah and relationships and a lot of body worship as well which is I, I think harder to it's hard to ask to be like tell me I'm amazing tell me I'm worth it yeah. but a lot of like Charlotte and I were talking about this before yeah we were you know nervous about people going down there because we're like maybe they're judging us or whatever but also it was like I didn't think I deserved it. And and the enthusiasm with which they were doing it wasn't the most. And so it's like, how do you enjoy yourself when somebody doesn't look like they're having a fun time? Yeah. And isn't saying, this is great. I love this. It it looks great. It tastes great. And, or maybe somebody is saying that, but somebody before didn't say it or somebody said something opposite. And then, yeah. Totally. How do, how do um, people get over that? Well, I mean, you raised, two interesting dimensions what could be going through a woman's head Mm. what could be going through a guy's head what could be going i guess 
let me not even be so gendered, what could be going through a receiver's head, mm-hmm. what could be going through a giver's head. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like, I deal in my practice as a sex therapist with a lot of women who are very uncomfortable receiving oral sex. Um, just so you know, in my practice, it's 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 split between couples and individuals. Right. Yeah. It's largely, I'd say, 50% heterosexual. I had a friend who went to you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Probably can't, can't reveal say. the name. Yeah. <laughs> she was actually on this podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, season I one. I don't know who that is. I hope she had a positive experience. She but... did. She was like, you need to have him on. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so wait, what was I? What couples was couples and singles? Yeah, yes. and I just wanted to tell you the demographic. So, um, couples, singles of all ages, college students up to people in their sixties, seventies, mm-hmm. and even eighties. I have two, a couple in their eighties that come in. A guy wears like a, a hearing aid with a microphone <laughs> that I talk amazing. into, and he wants to know more he oral sex tips and and do more you BDSM. Can teach an old oh dog my new god, tricks. totally! And I'm shouting into this like microphone into his. Uh, <laughs> Um, but then I have a ton of, um, gay men that I work with Mm. of all ages and trans men and trans women. I don't actually have, um, that many lesbians or lesbian couples in my practice right now. Um, but I just wanted to tell you sort of who I'm generally working with. So generally the receiver can have genital self-esteem issues Mm -hmm. and, and I meet plenty of couples where a woman is very uncomfortable receiving and usually a guy is more enthusiastic Mm. um, about potentially giving and sometimes it's the reverse where a a guy or a giver is you know uncomfortable um, with that act now I guess you know going back to the fact that my philosophy stems from my own issues and working around Mm -hmm. my problems and not necessarily having to like work at becoming the best guy at intercourse, but figuring out where my strengths and resources lie. I would never um, push someone to do anything that they're uncomfortable with. Definitely. So if one partner just isn't really into that, there are still so many roads to orgasm Mm -hmm. and pleasure. I do think some of the time what happens with um, oral sex, particularly cunnilingus, is that like great activity wrong time. So you talk to a lot of couples and I always ask um, every person that I'm doing sex therapy with or every couple I'm working with, I usually ask them a few questions. And my third question is always, tell me about the last time you had sex. Mm -hmm. I want to know about their last sexual event, everything about Mm -hmm. it. I want to like really deconstruct it. And it's interesting how cunnilingus or oral sex really is often within the first minutes of foreplay. Sure. And that's not... They're not warm. They're not aroused. They're not percolated. Especially, I find, female partners. Men are a little more, you know, the blood's gotten there to the genitals. Sometimes quickly. Not in all cases, though, depending on age, medication, lifestyle. But it's like cunnilingus is a fantastic activity for providing persistent, consistent, direct clitoral stimulation, but it's not the first thing you do. Mm -hmm. What should be the first thing? Well, I think the first thing um, is really about generating arousal and just warming up the system. And I think that that is physical. That can Mm -hmm. be like whatever you enjoy, fooling around, um, 
um, touching. Um, but I think there's also a strong element of psychological stimulation mm -hmm. yeah. that should be introduced yeah. into those, you know, first moments, whether it's, um, if it's a new relationship, then the newness of the relationship is providing so much of the psychological st stimulation right. and erotic curiosity. That the if, date was the foreplay. Exactly. You know, we're so excited. Yeah. We're exactly. like ready to get there. But then what about for like an older couple? Well, then I think that... Um, or you a, know, a longer relationship, yeah, not, yeah, not necessarily yeah. older people. Yeah, and then it's interesting. And then you start to lay bare the sex script and it's like, yeah, like we, um, we undress ourselves... Not not very seductive. Uh, we get in bed. Maybe his a little, socks stay on. His socks stay on. <laughs> <laughs> well, feet do get cold. They do. I don't know. Yeah. Someone called me out yeah. recently for it. Yeah. Sometimes gloves too. Yeah. Charlotte's got this thing. Uh, it's called Renoids. Rain, <laughs> rain <up Yeah>. Very cold. Very cold. <laughs> well, warm feet during sex isn't warmth in general during sex is important because you especially want all of that blood to be able to flow to the genitals unencumbered. Mm, yeah. And yeah. so if there's any other body part that's in need of blood to warm itself, oh, it's gonna take away from interesting. the blood. Because I used to think I was like, Oh, if they don't take their socks off, that's offensive because they're not fully getting immersed in the sex. No. No. No, it helps a guy actually maintain his erection. Very cool to know. Good warm feet. Or right. me. <laughs> or Charlotte. Um, so before you had had your sex, like your realization about premature ejaculation, had you been experimenting on yourself? Were you ever masturbating? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was no... I mean, today, I work. if I'm working with a guy under 35, he is almost undoubtedly never had a masturbatory orgasm to anything other than porn. Mm. Um, okay. But when I was growing up, there really was no internet porn. There was no... You have to have a memory of your friend from class. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful in yeah. a way. It yeah. was limiting. You know, when I'm working with guys who... I hate the word porn addiction or sex addiction. It's not my word at all, but it's just a shorthand for saying somebody who has a problematic relationship sometimes with, with some, porn, yeah. you know, um, and wants to change that. I'll often tell them, let's just start going back to your erotic database. Start telling me about mm. like memories that were sexy, peak experiences that were hot. And so, yeah, yeah. for me, my masturbatory history was either reading some erotica that mm -hmm. happened to me around in my Upper West Side parents' home. Hippy-dippy uh, or no? Um, not really so hippy-dippy. More just... Um, well, fucked up. I always but. thought. I always thought Upper West Side. I was like, "Ooh, hippy dippy, fun, progressive." Because we're on the East Side. We're like, yeah. "Ooh, straight laced." Definitely Dr. not straight laced. Okay, upper, yeah. Uh, yeah, far from it. But yeah. um, and my memories and my own thoughts. So yeah, yeah. So I had like a totally uh, rich masturbatory mm -hmm. history. But you weren't with it. Do you think? Not that you had anything to compare it to, but do you do you know that if those sessions were long or short? Um. With myself? Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. Like most guys who um, most guys who suffer from either erectile disorder of the psychological variation, which is most guys under 50, or PE, can really like maintain longer ejaculatory latency during masturbation mm. or get erections mm -hmm. during masturbation. It's really only with partnered sex Interesting. that the issue really okay. triggers in. Okay, because I have a friend coming up on an episode and he had never been able to master... He had never had an awake emission until he was like in his late 20s. Huh. Yeah, so I guess that's yeah, a completely well. different... I mean, that, Topic, I, I wonder, though, he may have had a lot of shame or guilt around masturbation or anxiety. 
We'll see. It's coming you know, soon. <laughs> up until up until almost the mid 20th century, masturbation was so vilified. Well, you may have heard that things like cornflakes and graham crackers were actually created as anti-masturbation foods. It was what? believed that a very bland diet would prevent you that spicy foods played a role in masturbation. No. So what? graham crackers and cornflakes were invented to be very boring uh, foods that would promote sexual uh, continence well, in men. That's, do, and do you think that works in any no. way? No, okay. Not so, in the least. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be like, what? I eat like white bread right. every day <laughs> yes. and I'm the horniest do the person study. on earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally I eat, yeah. Charlotte knows this, I will take a white bread, crush it up, stick yeah. it in my mouth and yeah. I then rolls it into a ball. Rolls it into a ball, <laughs> we'll masturbate. It was considered you know masturbation in men especially in men was considered a loss of vital seminal mm. fluid that would lead to disease and it was a disease called spermatorrhea which was a diagnosable disease associated with masturbation uh, and outcomes that led to you know nervous breakdowns blindness mm -hmm. even death so i'm not saying that your next guest yeah has those concerns but it is in the culture for men. You know, for example, I meet a lot of women um, and who are partnered who really want to spice up their sex lives. And they're like, with guys, and they're like, well, let's masturbate together. Let's watch porn together. Let me watch you do you and mm -hmm. you can watch me do me. And like the men completely shut down. Yeah, that's even more performative, I think. For performative some and brushing up against years of shame yeah having to hide yeah being masturbatory yeah etc definitely what are your tips usually for people to get past that um to get past the the shame the shame and, yeah um i don't um the shame during like partnered sex around either during partnered sex or about masturbation i think a lot of people like self-judgment different yeah, yeah self-judgment just being in your head yeah. during sex yeah i mean one of the things that and you just it comes back to your earlier question was like well if cunnilingus isn't the first thing you do or oral sex isn't the first thing you do because someone's not aroused enough then what do you do and then the question is well how are you um creating arousal and if you're only creating arousal through touch then you're only sort of activating one pathway to arousal i mean mm. we know that you know uh, I, I often do experiments with guys where i tell them to go sit at home put their arms on a the, uh, put their arms on the armrests yeah. and watch porn mm -hmm. how long before you get a full erection mm -hmm. um, women fantasize their ways to orgasm so I really a tenet of my clinical practice is that the element of psychological excitement and fantasy as a yeah. form of arousal is really missing mm -hmm. so in almost all cases if somebody has inhibition around some aspect of sex um, masturbation, relaxing, just feeling stressed out, want, worrying about their body. I'll, I'll focus on helping them to either fantasize directly with mm -hmm. their own sort of imagination or engage with material that promotes fantasy because fantasy increases sexual arousal, which decreases, arousal decreases the inhibitors. Right. So, or yeah. you can look at it in terms of mindfulness. It's a way of distracting yourself 
from your inhibitions and your anxieties. Yeah, I think that's cool to put your hands on the chair too because it's like you can't do anything about it. You just have to see how your body responds. Yeah. And I know that I've seen sections on Pornhub of women who can make themselves come just from thinking. Somebody mm-hmm. was like, that's not true. But I think I think the mind is probably a very powerful tool. A hundred percent. I don't know why anybody would want to masturbate without touching themselves. It seems like <laughs> yeah. a weird yeah. limitation to <laughs> yeah. give yourself yeah. Like, yeah. an odd challenge. Yeah. I'm going to like sit in this room and <laughs> think my way to an orgasm. Like maybe Sting or someone with, yeah. that's all tantric would yeah. want to do that. Yeah. But uh but it is true that the mind is just as powerful yeah. as the body, sometimes more powerful. Yeah. We um we were actually talking about aphrodisiacs before because one of our listeners sent in a question being like, is there food that can actually increase your libido? We're just talking about graham crackers and nil wafers or whatever, cor- uh, cornflakes. Um, are there foods that actually do work as aphrodisiacs? Um, I don't really know of any that mm. have been, you know either anecdotally mm-hmm. substantiated or certainly substantiated through research. I mean, I would say that, again, lifestyle and, you know, eating in a way that's good for your heart, exercising in a way that's good for your heart, anything that promotes um, healthy blood flow. Mm-hmm. I think anything that can disinhibit you a little bit but not too much, so like a little bit of wine or a little bit of alcohol, maybe a little bit of cannabis, mm-hmm. like anything that can just disinhibit you without impairing yeah. or blunting your nervous yeah. system. Um, Definitely. Um, yeah, so I used to feel very embarrassed every time like I'd eat oysters because I'd be like, oh, everyone's looking at me and they're going to think I'm so horny or I'm trying <laughs> to get horny. Yeah, I don't know about, uh, you know, most of like every Valentine's Day, there's like, you know, the pieces that come out like the best foods for Valentine's Day and for your night of aphrodisiacs. Or like to make have, your jizz taste better. Like right. Sex in the City had that episode about right. like, oh, drink pineapple juice. Like, right. is that real? Right. Um, you know, I have heard, you know, people complain that they can sometimes taste like asparagus and yeah, well, yes. semen or something <laughs> I mean, like that. Asparagus <laughs> is a very potent <laughs> thing. <laughs> I can smell asparagus if you had it a month ago. I don't know. I mean, I'm really working off of my clinical base and um, where I do get a lot of comments like, I like his smell, I don't like his smell, and Mm -hmm. that plays a factor. I really, people are not coming in and saying like, he's got to stop eating red meat because (laughs) I feel like I'm like eating a cheeseburger when I go. Yeah, it's very chewy. (laughs) Very fleshy cum. Um, well, I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up now that you talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And it is. a Wait, lot this of might come um, out on Valentine's. What's when the is date? that? Oh, you're right. It's next week. So this probably you guys probably just did Valentine's Day. Hopefully it was Can great. I ask you a question yeah, now because definitely. you you're both are you both single in a relationship? I'm or? in a relationship, okay. yeah. I'm single. Okay. And you're sick half my age at least and what does valentine's day matter at all as a day is it I still mean, a culturally it was never like yeah over i don't the top important but. i used to think it was very important now like like i retweeted a meme the other day that was like it's looking like it's gonna be a dildo valentine's day <laughs> but like i think i think maybe valentine's day should be more that it's more self-love yeah, like i just agree like that's kind beautiful of, yeah, yeah like enjoy yourself this day if you didn't yeah. sometimes i'll tell couples like look if you only have sex once a week and it's been a few weeks like maybe that just gives you a little bit cognitively like a reason to yeah have sex yeah but, i was gonna say actually in. um it's a really good barometer valentine's day for your relationship and how you're feeling in it 
because I think I only care about Valentine's Day when I don't feel attended to in the relationship. Because I'm like, oh, well. all right, here's totally. a day where I'm going to get some Here, attention. you're going to prove it to me. Yep. Come yeah. on, it's Christmas. It's my birthday. Exactly. It's Valentine's oh, Day. Yeah. These are the big days oh, that you yeah. have to... And yeah. last year, I felt happy and great. I had to work on Valentine's. I was like, whatever, it's just a day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's interesting, too, because in my practice... You know, I'm often looking at like the issues underneath sex or the emotions under sex. And sometimes somebody's sort of attachment history or attachment style or how sex plays into their attachment style is really important. So you just said, for example, if you're not getting attention, it may get you thinking more about Valentine's Mm -hmm. Day. And that did make me think like for someone who and I don't use this at all negatively, but like somebody who's maybe a little bit of a co-regulator in their life or, you know, uh, likes to share their emotions with others or solve problems with others or has, you know, or sometimes needs that co-regulation and what we would call sort of an an anxious attachment style, that type of person might care a little bit more yeah. about getting attention I on Valentine's. I think I'm a co-regulator probably. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like me, right, Char? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anxious <Sounds> avoidant. Like- <laughs> Yeah, I like that name, the co-regulator instead of like yeah. crazy Nicer. bitch. I'm a, I'm a little more of a self-regulator. Nice. Like I kind of like grew up as an only child ah. and kind of take care of myself. Yeah, no, I've got my sister next yeah. to me. <laughs> and we have two older siblings. We, oh, okay. Yeah. So you were just bouncing emotions yeah. all over the place. Yeah, we, in our family, we're like gossip moves like wildfire. Right. Like we need to bounce it off of So everyone. are you attracted to similar no, people? I'm no, I'm attracted to self-starters who don't fucking need me. Oh, okay, and, right. And can just be there for me. I think me. that's how it works out, right? Yeah. Somebody who's a yeah. little on the co-regulating side yeah. gravitates towards somebody who's a little on the self-regulating yeah. side. And hopefully you meet in the middle, but there's a lot of friction along the way. Definitely. I mean, I always feel like I can't give the listeners really great feedback because I'm in a relationship. A lot of them are single. And like I'm always talking about like, oh, communicate more or whatever. And mm-hmm. all of our listeners are like, how do I communicate? Not all, but a lot of them. How do I communicate with somebody and I want to have good sex, but I am single. And like, Mm -hmm. how do you do that in like a more casual relationship? Um, I mean, I have a couple of uh, answers. I mean, first thing I think it's important to start to cultivate your own vocabulary and your language around sex. So if you're somebody who can say, I'd like to go to this restaurant versus this one, or I don't want to go out tonight or I need this to do or I didn't like the way you treated the waiter or Mm. I just didn't like the way you walked away from me during a party like you actually do need to be able to put sexual feelings and thoughts and ideas into language Mm -hmm. and it's scary because nobody ever taught us in any way how to do it most of us they told you not to do it right yeah we grew up in sex negative sex avoidant homes so I do think a part of it is just being able to say we're just talking and we're talking about how I'd like to use my vibrator to give myself more stimulation during sex because I like the positions we're having, but I need more of a certain type of stimulation. So I do think it is about having um, confidence in your own vocabulary and your own ability to, to speak the way you'd speak about anything. But I do think with sex, sometimes people really express the negative a little more than the positive Mm. and they can set up a cycle of um, defensiveness. So I always tell people like who come in and, you know, let's say they're single, let's say they're in a new relationship and I really feel sexually incompatible with this person. I love them in every way, but he doesn't like to kiss or he refuses to give me oral sex. 
And so, great. We're focusing on what you don't like. What would you like? What would right. be your vision yeah. of better sex? Oh, I'd really just like love to like do a little bit of role playing at the beginning or share something sexy and hot. And then I'd really like some prolonged foreplay. And I'd love for him to really enjoy going down on me and then to like transition into intercourse and have orgasms together or something. And so I say, oh, that's interesting. So those are the elements you would like. And then I'll ask him like, sex it up a little bit. Like if you were like describing that as a fantasy mm-hmm. a little bit, I'll just ask them to start a, a tr- uh, putting a little more sexiness around the activities that they want. Mm. And then I'll say like, well, what if you just went home to that new person you're seeing and you said, you know, I had a really sexy uh, daydream about you or I had a really yeah. sexy dream about you last night. Like, I don't know where my unconscious was going, but it was mm-hmm. hot. Like, I think if you present a guy with that or any partner with that, hopefully you will engender their curiosity. I mean, yeah. I know if my wife says, I mean, my wife is always telling me her dreams and I'm like <laughs> a That's little exhausted thing. on dreams. Like <laughs> yeah. she'll start to say, wake up and I'll be like, all right, I got to get out before like the whole history of the dreams. <laughs> yeah. <come out> because <laughs> You're looking for 45 minutes of dream talk. Just, yeah. It's just not how I want to start my day. I love her to death. But uh, if like she actually said, <laughs> what, what's that? It's a constant theme on here. Like me telling my dreams. to I just shut <laughs> Uh, please, yeah. But if my wife says, I had this super hot, sexy dream about mm-hmm. you last night, I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be interested in that. I'm going to want to yeah. know about it. Yeah. And if in that she describes something that is sexy to her that she would like to make happen, well, she's given me some pretty good clues. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Like, So that talk that we went to the other night, one of the girls raised her hand and she's like, I had sex with a friend of mine recently. He came and then he kind of rolled over and was like, okay, I'm going to sleep. And she was like, how can I be like, hey, take care of me first, you know, like whatever. And the first thing that came to my mind is maybe he doesn't even know that you can come. Maybe right. he's not experienced women who can't. If I didn't know that women could come until last year, you know, like I'm, yeah. I, I know guys should be more it now but yeah, maybe so they right. haven't been with some maybe if she did turn to him and say hey next time we're having sex or would you mind going down on me like I'd totally. love to come he'd say oh you know how to do that or you can do that right. can you teach me how to do that totally yeah I 100% agree or you don't know when he's rolling over what he's thinking about he right. may be really maybe he's like the- she already did it she already did it yeah. or he's really wondering about it and he doesn't know how to ask yeah I, mean, I have found that you know, two people can be lying in a bed together and there can be like um, just an ocean of silent desperation yeah. between them. You really never know yeah. um, what someone's um, thinking. Yeah. I am um, in my one of my my first relationship. I and this is a huge listener question that a lot of a lot of women have sent in because it seems like we have maybe a higher libido than our male counterparts a lot of the times, mm-hmm. which is not something I grew up thinking would be a thing. I was like, oh, everyone's so prude. I'm the only woman that's going to want to fuck her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's a lot of girls sending us, how do I bridge this libido gap with my boyfriend who doesn't want to fuck me all weekend? Or yeah. I'm always the one initiating. Yeah. Um, is there a way to bridge a libido gap? Sure. Um, I mean, I think, first of all, it's important to understand that... Um, Libido can be uh, experienced in different ways. So um, 
you know, someone you should consider having on and a get, as a guest if you haven't yet is Emily Nagoski, who wrote a book called uh, Come As You Are. She has sort of popularized um, some sexual science that's out there and expanded upon it that talks about two sort of different types of desire. Mm -hmm. One type of desire, which is the kind of desire that a lot of men experience and that we see in the media, is called spontaneous desire. Okay. So spontaneous desire is just like a single sexual cue, you know, hot person walking down the street. Boy-oy-oy. Flasher. <laughs> I like the sound effects. <laughs> flash of girlfriend. Boy-oy-oy. A flash of girlfriend coming out of the shower. Uh, that was for Charlotte. <laughs> you do we love that sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> instant boner. Right. Yeah. The instant boner. So that's spontaneous desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and spontaneous desire can be a problem for men too. Like I have a lot of men who say, my my spontaneous de- they don't use this language <laughs> my but spontaneous <laughs> desire is getting the best of me <laughs> it's a problem at work yeah i have to go to the bathroom and masturbate yeah and then i got caught you i've know? heard i have many male friends who masturbate at work it is it is the new normal <laughs> yeah um but so that's spontaneous desire yeah and a lot of men experience it and um it's what we see in the media it's a what lot. we hear about in health class. Like the first thing, I always used to pity these boys. I was like, oh, they're getting spontaneous boners. Like right. we have to help them with their right. cum. Or their blue balls, right? <laughs> yeah. Poor guys. Poor boys. And then there's another type of desire yes. that is less spontaneous. Yes. It's called responsive desire. Okay. And, and a lot of women experience responsive desire. A lot of women experience spontaneous desire too. Um, responsive desire just sort of says desire isn't that... Do you, can you do your sound effect? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, boing, right. <laughs> Desire isn't that the boing yeah. would come like what well, would never come like that. Yeah, it would be, and it would be a little later in the arousal process, mm-hmm. responding to sort of the percolation of arousals, and it would be a little more like a boy, <laughs> something so nice though. All so nice. Yeah, that's responsive desire. Yeah, um, and what happens to a lot of men? in longer-term relationships, especially Mm -hmm. after the initial novelty of a new relationship, is that desire in the relationship shifts from being spontaneous to being responsive. Mm. And so women get confused. Mm -hmm. Why is he no longer a boing? Right, 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 right. right. Um, You'll get it soon, don't worry. It takes (laughs) boing. (laughs) I like it. and men get confused too. Yeah. Because they're still experiencing that. That responsive, the boy. In their relationship, yeah. but out in the world, they may be experiencing the. Boing. The spontaneous. Right. And so, so then thinking, it creates confusion. Am I not attracted to my wife or. Am I not. Like, I know that I'm a boing person. Yeah. Spontaneous. And out in the world, I'm boing, 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 boing. <laughs> and now I'm like back in this relationship and it's like. <laughs> it's like not happening is this the right? dumbest conversation you've ever had <laughs> no, it's, fun. it's fun believe me i'll probably end up using this in a session later <laughs> this great. week yeah. boing versus boing. Um, yeah and and so a lot of men and partners need to like reframe how they're thinking about male desire yeah. a little bit and how to like percolate and simmer responsive desire mm-hmm. as opposed to spontaneous desire. Yeah. So one's not like more meaningful or important than the other. They're the problem is types. that just as I grew up placing so much importance on intercourse, mm-hmm. um, 
we place so much importance on spontaneous desire. Right. As a yeah. culture. You need that instant reaction or else it can't be real. Right. That's, I, had, I had such a big thing about love at first sight. Right. Like for the longest time, I was like screaming at my boyfriend. I'm like, why didn't you love me from the day <laughs> Which is, that's yeah, not, yeah. yeah. Well, there is that kind of chemistry that can happen pretty quickly or mm-hmm. early. But um, I think that if we could take, just as I've tried with She Comes First to take the pressure off the penis mm-hmm. and the pressure off of intercourse, if we could take the pressure off of having to be spontaneous, experience yeah. spontaneous desire, it would be so much uh, easier for us. I mean, I can't tell you how often I'll tell couples who are so busy, genuinely so busy, they truly don't have time for sex. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, please, let's just make some time yeah. for sex. No, sex should be spontaneous. That would be scheduling uh-huh. sex. Yeah. And if sex just doesn't happen naturally, then something's wrong. it doesn't wrong. count. Well, actually, so at this talk, we were also talking about how like, toys and stuff including toys makes it seem like well that's not natural you're not having real sex unless it's just body body mouth you know like whatever like no sex is sex whether you schedule it whether you use accessories um it's all it's all there to make you happy absolutely that's why these things exist absolutely and sex has so many different uh dimensions like even in my own relationship sometimes like um I really want to make love. Mm-hmm. And that's like this emotional thing. And it's us against the world. Sometimes I'll just want to get off or my wife will want to get off. And yeah. it's like, it's like a quickie. It's like, it's like eating your favorite comfort food, you know, ordering yeah. off the menu. Sometimes it's like, I really want to have like um, a fantasy based experience or mm-hmm. something that's really just psychologically new. Sometimes I may want to explore a sensual pathway like sight or sound or yeah. touch in some way. So I think that there are so many There's dimensions. There's so many things. Yeah, definitely. So like responsive desire people I think are very averse to it because they do think of it as like at 9 p.m. we're going to have sex and like that's yeah. not stimulating desire but that's not what responsive desire is. No, no. it's like you could be kissing, right? Right. Yeah. So many men also complain. So you're talking about women who complain about men who don't have libidos. Mm -hmm. And that responsive desire, spontaneous desire split is a reason. Sometimes it can be a sexual side effect from a medication. Sometimes it can be a guy who is doesn't have a porn problem or a sex addiction. He's just masturbating a lot. Mm. And um, his refractory period or the interval in between getting erections and aroused um, has... um, increased i forgot the original question that you just asked oh i guess just how to not think of responsive desire as scheduling so concretely like how to make it sexier i guess i think the main thing is to um cultivate an environment um there are often men who complain about their female partners. Why am I always the one that has to initiate? Yeah. Ah, you know, yeah. I just, I've been in this relationship two years. I do all the initiating. It's yeah. just not fair. It just makes me feel undesired, mm. unattractive, and that she doesn't even want it. Mm. And I'm like, dude, no, it's that you experience spontaneous desire and you're able to get ah. that arousal and she experiences responsive ah. desire. Instead of these two paradigms opposing each other use your spontaneous desire to cultivate and kindle her responsive desire okay so this really helps me because this is literally my relationship but flipped i initiate all the time but 
it's not like I'm ever turned away. He responds every time, right? But which is great, right? But I, for the longest time, I was like, "Ugh, I'm the one initiating or whatever." Well, sorry, you have more little boners, Remy. Like that's just you. right. Yeah, right. I would say, listen, relationships are complicated. Yeah, and you pick somebody. You could have sex with yourself on any terms that you want, but you're picking somebody, and they have their own sexual temperament and mm-hmm. template. So rather than, and I'm not saying that you're doing this, rather than saying, "Oh, why do I have to manage initiation, and why am I like in charge of our sex life?" Just say, you know what, I can bring my spontaneous desire to my partner. Yeah, and as long as I cultivate it, I'm going to get positive responses. Yeah. Or I could just start masturbating next to him totally. and maybe he'll want to totally. join in and maybe he totally. doesn't. Most times he does. <laughs> um, it's great. Shart, I would love to ask a little bit more of our listener questions because they just sent in really good ones. This, they did. Yeah. One of them that I really loved that we're getting a lot is why are certain people so much more sexually comfortable and liberated with one night stands than say with the partner. people that they're with yeah, yeah. i'm sorry the, why are they so much more liberated mm-hmm. uh they just like, one, don't care this one girl was like how what can you i think? how I mean, can i get kinky with this like stranger but with a guy who's quote-unquote husband material i uh-huh, can't speak up uh-huh. well i mean you know i mean just we should have make this a group conversation i mean one thing i'm thinking about is um you know, certainly I, I often work when I'm, I'm thinking actually now of some of my gay male patients who um, really do have a kind of a split between sex and intimacy and sex is kind of recreational, sex is mm. casual, sex doesn't really require a lot of vulnerability mm. and it's fun and it's orgasmic and uh, relationships they can have a hard time bringing... Um, I actually was thinking of one guy I know who calls sex sport fucking. He's <laughs> like, I can sport fuck, no problem, but I, why can't I get it up when I really like, like, the, like person. the person? Yeah. And, and I think that is more to do with um, not sex issues, but intimacy issues intimacy and issues. being vulnerable yeah. with somebody. Yeah. I think also it's like this... I don't know, just the term husband material, it made me like kind of go back to my childhood and like I was always, not child, but eh, yeah, early early adolescence when I started hooking up with people and started being sexual. Anything I would do with a person that I deemed worthy, I was very self-conscious of because I'm mm-hmm. like, that's somebody whose opinion I value. Right, the standards You know, are if higher. it's just some schmo that I'm like, here, come fill me up yeah. with cum and yeah. leave. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. different. Yeah, but if you have a part of yourself that can enjoy sex and that's racy or fun or sexy or raunchy or whatever it is, don't exile that part in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Figure out how to create a pathway yeah. for that exiled part to come forward. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to have all of your personalities in one relationship that they can't get bored with one person. Absolutely. <laughs> There's six of you. <laughs> and you don't even know which one you're going to get, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> um, do we have any, any other? Yeah, we have got more questions. Oh, yeah, we really do. Okay. Oh, this is very specific. How to make oral better in a non-monogamous relationship and still safe because this person does not like the taste of condoms. Mm. How to make oral, so going down on a guy? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, or both. Or, or both. both, yeah. Okay, okay. So but she, still in this wants case, to give she blowies. probably wants to give blowjobs, yeah. but doesn't like the taste of condoms. Um, 
I would just say, um, do it with your hand. Do it with a, yeah. your hand and lick or put some lube on your hands. Mm -hmm. There are great sex toys for men, too. I mean, um, oh, yeah. they're like the Tenga eggs. There's the hot octopus guy braider. There's a lot that you can. <laughs> that's, that's a prostate thing, right? No, the, the actual, there are great prostate stimulators. The, I think it's called the guy braider. Or God it's uh, it's 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 from Hot Octopus, and it's like um, a vibrator that wraps around the shaft of the penis, and so you can oh, squeeze it, cool. and it really enhances. I was thinking the like this massive thing that like sticks one arm in your butt, one in your penis hole, one in your <laughs> well, mouth. That's what I was that does exist? <laughs> Just really plugs you up, <laughs> closes your ears, <laughs> covers your eyes. Um, like, uh, that's amazing. One quick thing, because yeah. STIs, yeah. Um, obviously a lot of it is through cum, but what about like herpes or warts? That well, yes. I mean, look, it's really rough. I mean, it's people, rough are, people are, I mean, so many people have, you know, some version of herpes and, yeah. you know, STIs. Like you just have to do your best to ensure what you consider to be safer sex. Yeah, and if you're a person with those diseases, ensure that you can stay safe while having them. Yeah, Try and, and tell as many people. And yeah, communicate it. Yeah. Um, I actually, we had um, interviewed Melanie Crystal who started the brand Laurels last season. They were what only in it? their Kickstarter phase, but now they're um, functioning. It is um, wearable underwear made out of like latex that is intended for oral sex to keep it Fabulous. safe for yeah and uh, Ben so it's and like I, its own dental dam in yeah, a way yeah exactly That's and it stays cool. on your body yeah I'll I'll, I'll awesome. show you them um, but um, yeah we tried it the other night and loved it it works had a great time. That's awesome. Yeah. What is it called? Laurels? Laurels. Yeah. And they didn't even sponsor this episode. I'm just being yeah, kind. No, no, Love you guys. <laughs> well, I don't have any relationship with any company, like no, Tango no. or any yeah, of these yeah, other yeah. companies that I'm mentioning. But yeah, I, and I even tasted it afterwards just to see like what he was going through. And I was like, okay. All right. That's wild. So it's what? A very porous, thin membrane? Yeah. Or latex something? underwear. Yeah. Oh, it's latex underwear. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're really cool. And then the bottom is shaped like wow. kind of more of a square so that it covers right. like that. And so he can provide too. manual stimulation still with his fingers. Oh, yeah. But then he's providing the it's so direct stretchy. clitoral stimulation with his mouth. Yep. That's great. Yeah. It's yeah. flexible too. Like you can actually, you can finger. Yeah. yeah. It's right. Great. So it's all bendy and stuff. Yeah. That sounds very cool. Yeah. And honestly, not that I'm even so in my, like, no, I am still in my head with him going down there. Like just, it's a, it's a thing. But when they were on, I suddenly felt yeah. better. I yeah. was like, Oh, everything's covered yeah. up. It's neat. He can kind of explore with his mouth instead of looking at the thing, you know, the yeah. training wheels. And you yeah. know, I, I should yeah. clarify when you asked me that question also about like oral sex without a condom, there is no version of absolutely safe sex yeah. unless sure. you're fluid bonded yeah. in a monogamous pairing and you're sure you're both staying monogamous. So no, but it's, I mean, if you're, if you're, listen, willing to have somebody enter your body or whatever. Hopefully it's going to be for pleasure. Hopefully you'll be able to communicate the ad amount, like the, talking about what you want. Something that you don't want is an, an added STD. Yeah. Talk about that too. Yep. Yeah. One more question. I All think. right. Or maybe two, three more questions from the listeners and then we can let okay. you go. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Um, oh, this was one we really didn't know how to answer. Okay. Mm. After what feels like climaxing, it starts hurting. Mm. What is it? And do I have to get through that to orgasm? Well, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Didn't they already have an orgasm and then it hurts? 
So and how do they get? Listen, pain. You know, dysperunia. The idea of like, uh, you is know, that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Vaginismus, which is a pain that can come through. Um, you know, through intercourse and entry into the vaginal canal, uh, vaginismus, vulvodynia, which can be, um, you know, a pain more on the, the surface of the vulva. Uh, pain is a real part of sex for a lot of people and shouldn't be. If you're yeah, having any yeah. kind of pain <laughs> yeah. during sex, totally. the idea is not to push through it or yeah, muscle through it. It's but not figure normal. Out, yeah. Right, right. And you're not going to be able to really relax and yeah. enjoy yeah. sex. I and used to so, think that too. I was like, oh, if they're just like, you know, touching your clit too hard or whatever, like it hurts. Sometimes that's like yes. overstimulation. That doesn't yes. mean like right. do more, ruin my body yes. and something great's going to happen. Yeah. Nothing great's going to happen from something that hurts. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. I don't know if that answers that question or I not. I think so. I mean, part of it, I can imagine people's confusion too is having to pee. Having to pee. I yeah. Was say, sure. Like yeah. You came sure. For the first time, you're like, I feel like I'm getting there, sure. but then there's that's sure. more discomfort than pain. Yeah. yeah Sometimes after having, um, you know, an, an ejaculation in men or an orgasm in women, the genitals are just so flooded with blood and so um, sensitive that any further stimulation can cause discomfort or. Or pain. So if she's had an orgasm and she feels like she has to continue to push through, (laughs) you know. You're done. Be done. You're allowed to be done. (laughs) You're allowed to be done, definitely. Women can have multiple orgasms, but you don't have to. Um, A lot of it is like, I've done everything. I've tried meditating. I've tried clitoral, whatever. I'm trying to relax. Is there any like last piece of advice like that you can just say to somebody who's having a really tough time orgasming? I've, I've meditated. I've done all the how come assignments. Well, uh, you know, two thoughts. One would be really ramp up the psychological arousal and forget masturbating for a while. Start really enjoying fantasy, whether Mm -hmm. it's reading erotica, watching porn, fantasizing yourself. Don't worry about any genital response. Just get yourself in the habit of really thinking erotically. Pave those neural pathways mentally. Yes. And then start to, in a mindful way, notice if there's any kind of accompanying um, genital sensation or arousal and what it starts to feel like. So I would really work that way first Mm -hmm. through, um, I do this with a lot of patients, very active psychological excitement. But if you're still trying everything and you're not able to orgasm during masturbation and you're not able to orgasm during partnered sex, that's probably a good reason to go to um, a like 90 minute consultation with a sex therapist and just start to open this up. I mean, sex really as a sex therapist... I we I take you know a, a biopsychosocial interpersonal perspective because mm-hmm. sex is determined by so many different elements. So many different there things. could be yeah. biological, physiological, organic factors, psychological, sociological, relational, mm-hmm. cultural factors, and if your sexuality is being inhibited in some key way, it could really be related to any of those factors. Yeah. Yeah, we were just saying the other night how women are snowflakes for their orgasms. Like everyone is so different, but everyone's so different. Everyone's a snowflake mentally too coming into it. Like we have these questions that are like, you know, I cry during doggy style. Why do I do this? Well, I don't know. That's, That's like right. a specific thing for you. And like, I think That's seeking right. out therapy it is so great. I've yeah. been in therapy all year. It's made, how much nicer do you like hanging out with me now? Ugh. 
It's world, night and day. World's different. Night and day. Um, but then I do think that there are some people who also need therapy because somebody uh, specifically asked, how do I push through sexual trauma? Right. That's going to be a, a separate issue. It's a different thing for every right. person. Right. And I was about to say that I would say over 50, maybe even over 60% of my patients, I don't really see on an ongoing basis. I don't mm. see them for all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people confuse like psychotherapy with psychoanalysis. Yeah. I think it's going to be some long-term thing. Now, working with trauma can be slower and incremental sure. and is longer-term psychotherapy. But solving a sex problem or talking about sex or working on an issue, mm-hmm. that can be sometimes resolved in the first session yeah. or certainly in less than yeah. three or four. So I yeah. just want to encourage people like to not think of therapy or sex therapy mm-hmm. as this huge obstacle. Totally. No, I used to think about, I was like, I don't want to go to therapy. Then I'm going to be in it for my entire life. No, sometimes you can go in for a tune-up. My mom calls exactly. it a tune-up. And yeah. like, it's it's great. It is. Um, so we just have to ask this to everyone. Uh-huh. Uh your first time orgasm experience, do you remember it? Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, the thing is, there are orgasms and then there are peak experiences. Mm. So what is like the peak? What is a peak experience? Because I'm sure there are just plenty of functional sort of uh, everyday orgasms, nocturnal or non-nocturnal emissions. I would say probably at like 13 or 14 summer camp in a sleeping bag with a girl who liked me and my first experience like touching breasts, kissing and then touching a vagina and then probably having like my penis touched and having that automatic ejaculatory response. That was a boing, 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 boing. Yay, (laughs) I love it. Um, Uh, That's great. Uh, And did you judge yourself? Were you scared in the moment? What? Uh, no, I wanted more. It was totally nice. hot and great and exciting. And I didn't think I didn't even, that's what I said. Like as a guy, I didn't even understand that my ejaculatory response, my boing was like in any way, uh, wrong in mm. the way inhibiting her pleasure. No, not at all. It was just great. It's just great. Um, well, this has been a very informative episode. So I good. had the best time. <laughs> can you remind our listeners where they can find you, your books, etc.? Sure. Well, She Comes First is easily purchased, certainly on Amazon, and I and I hope at uh, retailers. Um, and the best way to find me would just be my website, iankerner.com. Perfect. Remy? Yes, Charlotte. Finish? I did. Thank you for asking me. Charlotte, did you finish? Yeah. For sure. I mean, boing, boing, boing. Boing, all, boing, over boing, all over the place. <laughs> 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 all over the place. Yes. Also good. Also great. Dr. Ian Kerner, did you finish? Yes, I'm finished. I'm Yay. great. It was a fantastic, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a fantastic time had by all. Thank you for coming. Okay. And we'll see you all next time on How Come. See ya. Bye. Bye. It's not you, it's me. I try so hard to finish honestly They say you'll know When you go all the way from A right down to O Oh no I think that I still got a ways to go Oh oh I'm sick of this and I have got to know How come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. 
Cause I can't do it by myself I wanna just Hi guys, it's us again. Um, we're just here to remind you to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, and um, check out our Patreon. I just realized they're not going to even be able to tell it's me because my voice is back. Ooh, sexy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, rate, review, like, subscribe. Go to patreon.com backslash come if you want to see extras. Happy belated Valentine's Day, or as our mom calls it, Vagine Day. Vagine Day. Yeah, we didn't want to not mention that on the episode because it was such a big deal on our social media. She literally texted me and she was like, I have an idea. She was so proud. So proud. <laughs> I'm proud of her. I am too. Um, all right, guys. Thanks again for being you. We love you. Bye.